welcome back to another episode of Tea Time with Mother and Crone. Um, just to let you in, we've got a little bit of a change in the show tonight. Melinda had a family emergency. Please send energy prayers and candles for her and her family. She will be back. But I am so, so enamored of this person. I feel so blessed to even just know this person. We've mentioned her name many times on our show, and this is one of her creations. And we always point to it at our show every week. You guys are used to this by now. Um, actually, I was absolutely amazed when she actually granted a guest to me. So I'm introducing Reverend Sir Corey, who is going to join me today on the show. Hello. I'm so glad to be here. And um, I'm excited to see what um, we are going to be talking about today. And um, I know that it's going to get interesting because we're talking about divination. Um, I have been with Corellian Tradition for um, since about 2015, and I love every bit about it. Um, it's a very open path, and um, I have become better connected with the goddess and the gifts that she brings, especially with Gaia, and that's who I work with, and I do a lot of gardening, so I love to do that. Um, I would probably define myself almost as a green witch to some degree <laughs> um and uh, i i have been uh solid before that i was a uh, solitary um pretty much since i was 14 years old so to date myself um it would be a, a little bit over 30 years that i've been practicing so so we are anyway. very fortunate to have her join us tonight <laughs> My standing co-host, um, Melinda, sends her love and says she'll be back as soon as yeah. possible. Yeah. So we're going to start the show like we normally do with our little cups of tea. Now, Melinda usually does this, so y'all got to bear with the old bear on this one. I have ginger lemon in my tea. And um, everybody knows ginger is great. When you think about ginger ale for your stomach to help settle your indigestion, nausea kinds of things. It's phenomenal. Um, ginger has been used throughout centuries and centuries. It's one of the older spices. Um, the medicinal uh, uses of ginger are just as good as anything else. Ginger mm -hmm. is um, used for cooking. It's one of those herbs that you use everywhere. It's a root. Uh, use it a lot in cooking with curries and ginger ale. That's a great one right there. Um, and it's also used, it's got a spicy, like peppery sort of flavor, and it gives the food a really good taste. It smells wonderful. It's just one of those wonderful things that when you cook, you smell it. Um, they always tell you it's best to buy fresh ginger and use it, you know, you shred it. Um, I've used it, I use it a lot in cooking chicken. I like some ginger in my chicken because chicken's a little on the bland side. You have a little curry or a little bit Spice of ginger. it up just yeah. adds that little bit of extra to it. Now, um, ginger was actually prescribed for all sorts of ailments in the um, 16th century in England. So that's pretty cool. And they actually thought it could cure the plague. Not quite, but there's a lot of, it's one of those cure-alls that you'll hear use ginger for everything. Now we do know that it actually does help with your stomach issues. Um, your IBS, uh, if you're nauseated it really helps with the nausea i mm -hmm. i keep ginger ale in my house all the time just in case we start feeling bad you got that in soda crackers and you're you know you got it um 
they used it for everything. It was used for keeping tumors away. I mean, there's all sorts of mysteries surrounding it. Mm. Um, but it is actually very good for uh, the nausea digestive. Um, if you're pregnant, sometimes you can't take anything because sometimes the medicine is going to make you nauseous, let alone right. you being nauseous to begin with. A little bit of ginger ale and soda crackers, and that's where I first learned that was through my pregnancies. Um, really does settle your stomach. So it got to where I kept ginger ale around all the time. Um, and it's funny because my kids do the same thing. They always have, um, we buy the cans and we put the cans in the back of the refrigerator. So when someone gets sick, you reach in and you got it back there. Yes. And it's, it's really funny that, you know, I see my kids doing it too because ginger ale is actually one of those things that you can take when you're pregnant. Um, you do have to go easy on the ginger root because too much will upset your stomach. You know, you've got to have that little balance there. Now, um, I thought it was interesting, the magical aspects. Um, it's good for luck. You can always use that. It's good for healing. Obviously, people use it, you know, for their indigestion and stuff. Um, it's good for retribution. Well, that's, that's a little that's interesting. We might need to use occasionally. And it's great for sex magic. So I'm oh, going to leave fun. that one right out there because <laughs> we're going to have a show on Tantra. That's right. um, it's associated with Mars and Aries, which kind of makes sense because it is a stronger flavor. Mm -hmm. um, and for spell work, it's funny. Um, they tell you to use it um, with scent magic. If you're a person who does scent magic, the lavenders, the chamomile, I mean, the lilacs and those kinds of scents it's mm -hmm. good because again it's very aromatic um and it's also good to um what they say is you use ginger at the beginning of your spell work to help raise your power so it's psychic along that and there's always the old wives tale if you carve carve your initials into the ginger root and then you give it to a love interest to see if he oh it. oh that's yes. interesting now i like that I like that too because you're not spelling them. You're not binding no, them. You're just no. giving them. You're I'm just enhancing sure. something. And I, I have to almost admit that ginger was very expensive at one time. So I'm sure that was, you know, very nice if someone gave you a piece of ginger because oh, you could sure. use it medicinally. You could use it cooking. You can use it, you know, magically. Um, it is an anti-inflammatory. So it's good for arthritis and those sorts of things. Um, and it's actually, they use it for blood thinning properties and for cholesterol. Something to keep in mind, if you've got a high blood pressure to cut back the salt, maybe put a little ginger in instead. Yeah. Yeah. Keep those kinds of things in mind. So, and oh my goodness, you can put it in anything. Um, ginger pairs well with everything almost. Um, I love Hi. my late husband's mother was German and she used to make sour beef and dumplings. And you use ginger oh. snaps in that. Wow. I bet it tasted good. Mm. I, I had a friend from the Philippines who actually made a ginger lime tea. Oh. And she boiled it with sugar, with sugar cane. And it was a coworker of mine. And she brought some to a party that we had. And it was absolutely divine. She had it chilled. And mm. it was in like a little, you know, dispenser and on ice with limes. And it had that punch, you know, to it. Wow. Um, now, that's something I'd have to try. I've never tried ginger tea cold. But that's... It, it, yeah. 
she boiled it with sugar and lime and and then the ginger and it was good now you can preserve it in vinegar or sherry mm. now it says here if you take it and um ginger will also sweeten and flavor cooking oil before you add additional ingredients so if you're doing something like there are certain spices that you put in first so they flavor everything and ginger is one of those so if you've got your I use olive oil mostly when I cook. You got that? You just scrape a little bit in there and just let it cook a little bit. And then you add the rest of your food to it, whatever you're making. I like to do it with chicken. Like I said, it gives chicken a flavor because chicken can be very, the white meat part of the chicken can be very bland unless mm -hmm. you have something to just bring it out. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of good things. Um, I had it with lemon and of course my honey, because you guys know I Oh yeah, lemon and honey. honey. Yeah. So it turned out really good. Um, so that's a great thing to use ginger for. And you can keep it in your refrigerator. You can store it. I've actually known people who will take it and just grate it down, put it in olive oil, put the lid on it, and let it sit on the cabinet. And um, it flavors yeah. the olive oil with that ginger. Yeah. You've already got half the process done. And there you go. And you if you're going to do that, it. use the first cold press extra virgin olive oil it has the less amount of flavor to it mm -hmm. and that way anything you flavor it will it will flavor it much easier if you use um the later presses or if you use something that's not the extra light or the extra virgin what happens is it has a much stronger flavor to it which right. is good if that's what you're looking for but right. if you usually if you infuse the olive oil you want to use the the lightest tasting olive oil you can so that when you infuse it with the herbs, you don't need to use as much and the flavor is much less overpowering. I'm sure. And that's your cooking for tonight. And uh, yes, <laughs> you can tell I've done that one before. So tonight we promised you not the odd divinations, but the different divinations that you don't often see. Um, one is a big one is numerology. Now that is actually coming back again. People have always been fascinated by numbers and it's really weird. I'm an accountant, so I mess with numbers all day long. The last thing I want to do is numerology when I come home from work. Um, so I've done it. It's kind of cute. It's kind of fun. You have fun with it. it when I was growing up, it was more of a um, parlor game. You know, you, you do the alphabet one to nine with the letters and everybody adds up what their letters are. You add up the name of the street you live on and the town you were born. I mean, you just went crazy with it and you added all these numbers up. Um, there is some fact behind numbers having magical powers. Um, in witchcraft, three is a number that is repeated over and over yeah. for a millennia in a lot of different faith paths. So it's not just, you know, the pagan path. Um, Christianity has the father, son, and Holy Spirit or Father, Son, yeah. Holy Ghost, whether you're pre-Vatican or post-Vatican. Um, so you have the trilogies. Trilogies have always been very strong. The triangles have always mm -hmm. been very, very strong because of their strengthening powers. And there was a big thing during the 70s um, where people would put razor blades under like a pyramid shape. It was a big pyramid yeah. rage. And everybody's yeah. doing stuff with pyramids and everybody had a pyramid in their house with, if you put fruit under it, it, it really uh, ripened faster. Oh, there was all of this going. It was a pyramid shape and it could be made out of anything. 
and you could buy all kinds of little um, like triangle, like pyramid shaped netting to put over top of stuff. I mean, it, it was huge. Everything was either the pyramid or the all seeing eye in the dollar bill. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, with the, the eye. Bedroom. Yep. With the eye in it. So Numbers have always meant something. Numbers were important. The first thing that man ever wrote down um, in cuneiform was actually numbers uh, to keep track. That's Agam basically started as hash lines, as numbers, and then it moved on to be an alphabet when they needed it. But numbers have always been important to people. Just imagine in Egypt when you've got, you know, all of this corn and barley and wheat coming in. You've got to know what you've got coming in, what you've got going out to make sure you could feed everybody. Exactly. So numbers are important to us or, or else we would not be paying attention to them. And right. certain numbers like 666. Right. 13. 13. Um, 333 that, makes nine. Um, and then, you know, that's actually, you know, three times three times three. You've got you a trinity there. And so actually, you know, and then you actually can add the numbers up to figure out your life path number. Uh, to figure out what your, um, I can't remember what the other number was. Um there's different, but it, it shows you exactly what your life path is. Um, and birthdays with numbers, you add your birthdays. birthday up and it gives you, you know, the month, the day, the year you were born. And some people go so far as to the, the number of the day in the year you were born. So you would count like if you were born on January 1st, you're one, January 2nd, you're two, you know, March 31st, you're three times 30, 90, yes. days, whatever it is. Yes, yes, yes can do it that way. There's a lot of fun. I like this part for the kids. This is a great way to combine a couple things. And if you're homeschooling, you know, you need every shot you can get nowadays with the hybrid schooling and all the craziness. They want you to do the lessons, have your kids start adding up their name and numbers there. You've done gone through um, your math class. You got math down now, you know, but it is a fun thing to do with the younger kids. And it's something mm -hmm. that they can actually do because they can add up two numbers. Once they get to that point to learning how to add, they can start adding their name together and doing a lot of fun stuff and, with it. Yes. And it and it really helps them understand how to add and subtract and how to condense the numbers together to come up with those particular um and what better way to show our path. Yes, absolutely. So our thing is big and, you know, we have all of this wonderful pagan knowledge, but if we don't tell it to our children, they're not going to learn anything. No, um, it needs to be passed down. And that's the thing. Uh, that's, you know, when we go through these shows and we do this, we look at the whole family thing where, you know, it's not just that. But numerology is a great way to have fun with the kids with numbers. Um, mm -hmm. Research some of the numbers, come up with some crazy stuff like, you know, why is the number 13 unlucky? It's not always unlucky. There were 13 original states. And if you look at a dollar bill, the eagle is holding 13 arrows and it's one little claw. So it was only unlucky. And they do believe it was um, ties back to the Knights Templar when King Philip of France decided to, um, on Friday the 13th, bring them all in for many things that they said they did that they didn't do. So for treason and all sorts of nasty things. Mm -hmm. um, 
what it came down to was the knights had money and the king owed him a lot more money and he couldn't pay. So what way better way to get rid of the competition. So it took care of that one. <laughs> so there are hotels that don't have the, the floor number 13. Most buildings will not put a, a 13th floor. They will go from 12 to 14. And uh, as a small child, I never quite understood that. And as I got older, I found out about how, you know, 13 is unlucky. And I'm going, but wait a minute, we, you know, because you got the one side, all of the, you know, it's unlucky, it's unlucky. And then you got mm -hmm. like 13 original states, 13 errors in the eagle's claw. So, you know, it's fun to find out where numbers come from, why we think yeah. about them the way we do, because different cultures think of different numbers as lucky, you know. Um, in Japan, in Japan, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I was mm -hmm. going to say in Japan, the number four, I believe, is considered unlucky. And I'm not really sure why. Um, I have read about it, though. And uh, it, seven it, is lucky, though, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Lucky seven, seven. is lucky. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think that goes back to some Judeo-Christian uh, beliefs, because um, supposedly the world was made in seven days, according to that. But I think that the scale of those numbers were probably very different. Um, yes. It was probably millennium is what it was. <laughs> uh, some knows? days at work, a day can feel like a, a millennium. So yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> yes. And, and, and again, um, as we learn um, as we learn on into the priesthood, um, you know, time is an illusion and it just is a measurement of our experience in life. And hence the numbers are what gives us the logic and reason behind that. Um, and it's fascinating, um, how you can add things up and figure something out according to how, whatever your life path number is. I'm a six. Um, and I don't exactly, I'm not, I'm, I'm not an expert at that type of divination, but I just remember taking that, you know, adding that up my birthday. So. It's a fascinating field, but it's a lot of fun. It's something you can have fun with the kids with birthdays, you know, doing their birthday, doing their name, doing other people's names, just having fun with them. It also does show them part of the everyday mundane things that can be magical because mm -hmm. who would think that numbers would be magical and here we're showing you how your name is magic and how your address can be magic and your birthday yes. can be magic yes. and so it's kind of rolls it all up it's really a cool idea i think it's great idea to do with the kids it's a nice rainy day thing to do because yes. you know, rainy days you kind of want to sacrifice them to the local gods but you know, <laughs> rather than that we'll just you know we'll, we'll just play a little well, technology game and especially them. too like the number 1111 you know we see that on the clock um i like to compare that to the four of wands and tarot um it's yeah. considered something um there is um folklore that if you are seeing synchronicities of numbers that there is someone a, a spirit guide that's watching over you so. I usually wake up between two and three o'clock every night. Don't know why. Mm -hmm. None of my kids woke up at that time to feed. So it's just <laughs> me. I wake up, I roll over, I go back to sleep. But it's it's really just one of those things. So they tell me my spear guy, but you know, I know my spear guy. She has that really nice piece of two by four she uses on me. <laughs> she keeps it right by her desk and just goes, what? <laughs> um, at least three or four times a day. 
um, I have my poor spirit guides. I feel so sorry for them. You know, they, they are going to be angels having to deal with me on a 24 seven basis. You have no clue. So we have a lot of other forms of divination. Some of these you're going to know, cause like the pendulums, I, I've never been good with a pendulum. I can't hold my hand that steady, but there are all types of pendulums. This is a really nice one. This is a chakra beautiful pendulum. Yeah. Um, and all pendulums are used the same way. They're basically held over and counterclockwise means one thing counterclockwise means another you have the yes you know the back and forth the side to side there are so many ways to interpret it back in the good old days um when you got pregnant they would take your wedding band and put it on your necklace because everybody wore a necklace back then and you had a wedding band and mm -hmm. they would hold it over your belly and if it was oh clockwise it was a boy counterclockwise it was girl that's interesting that's that's old Appalachia focused folklore. And that's how they used to determine whether that works just about as well as if you carry out or you carry round or you know, there's so many and I didn't fit in any of them. Um, but that was a way they used to do it. And um, your wedding band back, back in the days when you got married, um, depending on whether you, if you were German, your wedding band was actually worn on this finger because this finger was considered oh the hand that went to your heart, to the, heart. Um, the non Germanics went to the third finger. So, okay. and that your wedding band was always considered sacred because normally when you got a wedding band, you were married in a religious ceremony because prior to that, as we've said before, marriage contracts are legal binding documents. Yes, they are. Marriage is nothing more than a contract. Now, a wedding is the religious part, right? just like a hand fasting. So when people got married um, back in the day, it was paperwork. That's why the states control the marriages, control the wedding, the marriages. Weddings are controlled by the churches. Mm -hmm. So that's where the two come in because everybody's like, well, they should do this. And it's like, you don't understand that's a contract. This is a religious ritual. So right. you have to separate the two so that you understand how they work. So, and that kind of pendulum, um, they're great. Again, like with a tarot, you have to know the pendulum. I really tell everybody, touch it, feel it. Um, most stores, if they sell them, they usually have them hanging up. They usually have the little embroidered cloth down. So you can actually just sit there and try them. Um, yeah. You'll find the one that speaks to you. This one spoke to me just because I love the little chakras on it. I was like, oh, that is like really cute. And I love I thought, it. Wow, that, that's a really nice one. This one is a chunky one. And this one I like to use in teaching because if somebody drops it, it's very difficult to break and shatter. Um, and when you're first learning, I will tell you don't. Buy what you want, buy something nice, but be very careful with it. If you go into teaching, I always tell everybody who's going to teach, buy stuff that doesn't break because it's going to get dropped. It's going to get touched. It's going to, you know, it's going to get worn. And this is my teaching one because if you drop it, it's, that's a metal tip. Uh, if you chip one of the little corners, it's not going to really hurt it and it's good to go. This one, if you drop, you're going to break. You are going to shatter that. Tip. Yeah. Yeah. So. This is more of a teaching one and the chain you see is much thicker. So it's, it's going to hold up to, 
and this is this is a chunky one for a kid really this is the one i yeah. had for um, my granddaughter and and is is that a particular type of stone at the bottom it's obsidian it's just Obs a i thought so it's very pretty it's and it's very plain and the reason i had it was um when i was teaching her older sister my oldest granddaughter um she shattered one of mine and, and it was a pure accident you know and she felt devastated and i thought oh yeah. i'm gonna have to you know get something that doesn't shatter so these do not this has been through the it's been around for a good long while now it's about 20 25 years old so and it has been used quite a bit um i use it a lot in my teaching like i tell everybody i have teaching stuff and then i have my stuff my teaching stuff has always been left out for the kids and the grandkids and the great grandkids to handle so and that's why you buy something that's going to hold because um, I don't mind if they, they know what they can touch and what they can't touch. They know they can grab this one. And the older, my older granddaughters are like, my daughter came down and first thing she does is go throw on my witch stuff. And I'm like, I don't know what to call it. Um, <laughs> and then it's like, hmm, I'm missing something. <clears throat> Somehow my other pendulum jumped in her suitcase. Oh, that's funny. Is that just amazing how the fairies just know which one to pick up and put in her suitcase? That's right. Yes. <clears throat> we always joke about things like that. Um, we, my daughter follows the path, her two daughters do, and my great-grandson does. So um, it's a family affair. And sometimes, like when she was down here, she was going through, oh, I like this. Oh, I like the way you did that. Okay, let me make notes on this. Um, and it's, you know, then she goes home with all of this crap. So mm -hmm. it's interesting. Needless to say, with my family, we have are interesting things. Now, back in the day, my grandmother was actually a dowser um, in West Virginia. I learned the story that she did douse and she could find it. Now she used a willow with a bent with a fork and you take the fork and you hold it like so and it goes straight mm -hmm. down. Now as you walk, it will pull down if it's water. The reason they tell you to use a willow, if you've ever had a willow tree, those roots will go far and wide for water. If you have a willow tree in your front yard and your sewage or water line goes down that front yard, you're going to be pulling willow roots out for a very long wow. time. Wow. you get That's rid of that tree. It will bust the root, the actual water pipes. The roots will just keep going and keep going until it They'll either just devour it them or gets in there. And um, the reason I know is, I had a big one in my front yard and I was really upset because we kept having sewage problems. The guy came out and he said, your problem is right there. And I'm going to be out here once a year until you get rid of that tree. I'm like, it's a willow tree. He's like, uh, do you know what willows do? And I'm like, didn't have a clue because I don't know that much about them. And right. then he started telling me that they're really, really, really bad for going. They go for the water and they'll go for the pipes because the pipes are right there. They don't move and the water keeps going through them. So it's free game. And you can end up with a lot of all kinds of sewer issues and pipe issues and stuff like that. So using a willow root, it's, I mean, a willow wand, it tells you that it, it will pull, it will bend down because it's searching for water like it always does. I did not know that. There's lots of things we learn as we go along in life. Oh, yes. And it just flows along. Now, I... I'm not good. Now I'll put my eye out. Want to see me put my eye out? <laughs> That's why I wear glasses. <laughs> These are divining rods. 
which are used instead of willow roots. Um, it's sometimes it's very difficult to get a hold of a willow root and, you know, with a tree to get a hold of willow that's just right and all like that. So you use divining rods. And um, I was actually using them before the show with my roommate and she'd never seen how they were used. So I, I walked her through it and we found the water pipe in the backyard. Interesting. Just walking. And she's like, why are they crossing? And I'm like, there must be, oh shoot, right over there's, there's the water line. So we were right on the market, didn't even know it. Um, that is so cool. These I've never heard of, I mean, I didn't know anything about this. I, 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 I have never heard of dowsing rods and all, I mean, I've, it's, that's a different type of divination. As you walk, these move constantly. Okay. Now, when they cross, you're either crossing a ley line or a water line, depending on what you're working on. We were working on the water line outside. They're crossing now because there's a water line that runs underneath because my washer and dryer are just on the other side of this door. So the water pipes are right there. Right. So they cross when I sit in this chair. Um, if you do ley lines, if you know where you have ley lines in your neighborhood, you can find them with these. And you can walk. And if you keep walking as they're crossed, just follow them. And, and you know, they're going to uncross. And then you're going to step back. They'll cross again. And you can actually follow a ley line with these. I know somebody who would be fascinated. That that would be my husband. These are wonderful. You can actually make these. These are easy to make. You just need two pieces of dowel, actually, that are hollow. And you just bend a rod and put in it. And now, put it down in there. These are metal just because they're metal and you can see it's like a screw that holds it on there. They're very simple mm -hmm. to make or they're very simple to buy. You can buy them in different sizes. This is like about a middle length. Um, if you're working with smaller children, you're going to want smaller ones just so right. the eyeballs don't get punched out. Right. Um, you can probably put little knobs on the end of them too, so that they really don't punch their eyes out. <laughs> oh, I need that for me. Um, <laughs> do probably not let me too. Play. And this is, I am not moving at all. These things just have a mind of their own and they take off on their own and they do whatever they want. Now, if you're trying to walk with them, it takes some practice. That one just swung right over. It, it sure did. Practice. They're uh, people say that you can actually um, feel the spikes um, with spirit rooms with these. You can actually walk through and the, the spirits have fun with them. Because they're not very hard to move. They're very, as you can see, they're not hard at all to move. And that's what the thing is. They're very easy. So these are fun to play with. Again, this is a great thing with the kids. Get them outside, you know, get a set of divination and, and let them have at it. Yeah. Um, they're fun for adults, too. I mean, we have just as much fun as the kids do. But it's another form of divination because you're divining where the water is or your ley lines or spirits if you're in a haunted or a spirit infused atmosphere trying to say it nicely and politically correct if you're in a haunted house you get a set of these and they will go off like crazy they'll be swinging all over from the chandelier in it yes you are and you will have so much fun now you have some really cool stuff for us Corey. you were telling me earlier yes i do um, i'm so excited which i knew i mean i have my scrying mirror um and this, of course, is a picture frame. Um, and you can see my ring light reflected in it. Um, but um, 
scrying is something, it's a method of divination that actually helps with the subconscious and it helps you be able, it takes practice. Um, but what you do is it's an, actually scrying came from, and I read up on this, I briefed myself on this a little bit before, but scrying comes from Mesoamerica. Um, they were originally obsidian um, mirrors. And there is this particular, um, you know, of course, divination is where we are trying to get answers that not necessarily can be explained, but there's something very close between the veil of what's here and what's in the afterlife. And the Mesoamericans would use obsidian mirrors to actually have this breath on the mirror so that they could see, because we can see, we are in a vessel where we can see, and their ancestors were able to also see, and their, their, their deities would get jealous of their ancestors because their ancestors were able to see, and they were also revered. And so what they would do is they would use the mirrors so that way they could see, we could see something in the, in the, in the, in the mirror. Um, and what you do is you turn your light off and you just make what I call soft eyes. And that's where you're sitting back and you're you have all your lights off and it creates an ambiance um where you can just barely see anything um but you could leave like a candle lit one candle lit all of your lights are going to be off and you want to just tilt your head back a little bit and tilt it up just a little bit like this and then you want to just just let your eyes just kind of just think into what's going on there and um what with my experience I kept a journal for about six months and um what I normally see myself uh the pattern that I noticed with my journal was I saw a lot of water and I saw a lot of children playing around pools of water and I'm thinking that maybe that was something a time when I was happy in my life, just personally. Um, but I suggest that if you do try to do that, if you do try to use a scrying mirror, keep a journal of what you're doing because you will, I mean, as we all know, we most of us journal, you're going to notice patterns, especially if you're doing it over in a period of time. And you'll be able to catch on what's going on in the subconscious. So it almost is a good divination tool to use for shadow work as well as you know, light work too, but you can really bring forward a lot of things that maybe have been held back in the back of your mind, working with your deities and your ancestors. But the, but the obsidian mirrors were originally used in Mesoamerica. So. That's interesting to say, to do shadow work with that, because you're staring at the black anyway, and it, right. it, it's kind of, I never thought about using them for shadow work. I, I don't scry very often. Um, I do what's called mirror readings, which are a little bizarre, but the scrying after a while, I tend to fall asleep at my age. I'll fall asleep. At 
Well, um, but I do. Big. You get that comfortable, and I'm staring, and the next thing I know, I'm snoring. It's right. kind of like when you you're trying to do astral projection. Yeah. Yes. I spend um, time snoring, but that's interesting though that you mentioned shadow work because yeah. that's now. I've usually used a mirror for shadow work, but you know, when you said that with the scrying, that's the scrying is probably better for shadow work. The thing about the mirror scrying, and I probably should paint, all this is, is it's a picture frame. Anybody, just go get yourself a picture frame. And the back of this picture frame was painted probably three coats of black paint. Let it dry, put it back on here. I probably need to paint the frame black. Some people just use their cell phone to scry with. But um, but yes, shadow work. What you do, I mean, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be that. You, you, but you're just sitting there and you're looking back. And sometimes you may not be able to capture an image. Sometimes, sometimes it's hard to pick something up. But don't try too hard. That's, that's what I try to, to remind myself in a lot of situations is not to try too hard. Just let it flow naturally. And, you know, you will start to see. The first thing I see, though, a lot of times when I turn all the lights off and I've got my candle going and I'm tilted back like this, is I will, it almost looks like I'm looking in a reflective pool of water. You know, you've seen water, you know, even like on a ceiling before. And then all of a sudden things will start to climb and just shapes will start to form. And that is when you want to take notes or remember. And being in a trance like that, sometimes it's hard to remember, but you can do the automatic writing while you're doing that. I just kind of, I, I wait until I'm finished though. But um, I find it a fascinating way of being able to get in tune with your subconscious. And if you're reading for someone else, you know, you can create a key of that person um, if someone asks you to. And maybe you could be able to, you know, help them with some sort of divination through that as well. Um, I've never done it for somebody else. I've always, this is a type of divination that I've only done for myself. And, you know, we always are trying to say, well, I have the Tarot of Hecate right here. So I'm going to give a shout out about that. <laughs> but um, I know that's a totally different ballgame. But, you know, it's almost the opposite of reading Tarot, you know, um, it's hard to read tarot for yourself unless you're just journaling about something. But, you know, usually you want to quarant or you want to be the quarant somebody else with tarot. With this, it's an, it's a, almost the opposite end of the spectrum. To me, it's a way of really getting in touch with what your deeper subconscious things are going on with yourself and, and you're delving into the void. And that's what I love about it. Um, so... I highly encourage anybody out there to get yourself, you don't have to get a fancy journal. It doesn't have to be leather bound books and rich mahogany and all that stuff. It All it has to do is just get yourself a notebook and take notes for about six months and maybe even just a month, maybe even just a week, but maybe right before bed, let it be your bedtime ritual. 10 minutes, that's all you need. And, you know, and just sit back and let the day go and whatever it was it can be anything I can get comical maybe it was somebody that drove you nuts at work <laughs> but you know we we all have that you know it could you could maybe you can find out exactly what it is that's 
bothering you about that person or bothering you about a certain situation or a circumstance. Um, and then you can sit there and work on that. So, I mean, it's a way of layering in that shadow work and trying to develop what I believe we want to be the best version of ourselves. So. That's, that's interesting because, like I said, I've not done a lot of scrying. It's never been my strong suit. Um, I've tried it. I do a type of mirror scrying. I sit with somebody across from me, our knees touch. We mm -hmm. have the mirror mm -hmm. sitting on us, and I see photographs going through on a slideshow. And yeah. I can tell you what's on this photograph. I usually have someone sit next to me, write down everything I say, and hand it to them. Then I bring the next person in. Um, but I like the idea with, with the scrying and the um, shadow work because mm -hmm. I think because of everything that's happened the last two years, we're starting to realize we may have to work on ourselves occasionally, right? Like daily. Um, and we, Melinda, and I really talked a lot about shadow work and how you know it, it's extremely important and that shows us just another layer that we can go to and another yeah. tool to be used for that um, shadow work. And shadow work is something that needs to be done. It's kind of like housekeeping. You hate to clean it. It is. It's, it's housekeeping with the soul, truly. Um, something I've also done is back of the lid, eyelid scrying. Um, that can be hard to do without going to sleep. <laughs> But if you can keep yourself in a conscious state, um, I try to listen to some type of very low key music just to keep myself calm. But I wanted to share a couple things that I have done. Um, and um, I, something I did as part of a project, um, I did, I would get in a position and I would on the back of my eyelids like I'm sitting here with my eyes closed and you know I would just sit there and try to think of what I was seeing and of course I would work with my chakra point and came up with something like this so I painted this and I don't want to get close to enough to the but yeah. I painted this and I mean this was something that I did in trance after i mean of course i mean there were different parts of it but it was something that i did and you know as i recalled and journaled about the experience afterwards and then i would go back in and make a painting about it and then this one that's my favorite that is beautiful this one if you look really close you can see different things that would be relatable to sex so it is my ultimate red tint type of, and then of course we could even consider this a green tint thing. Cross cross. Wonderful. Yeah. So there you go. And then I actually had, I'm share one more. I have this one here. I had, um, I had, uh, I painted this one when I got out of my garden one day. I, I just, I, I was out there in meditation. I uh, love to garden both moon and sunflowers. And moonflowers are my, one of my favorites because they bloom in August and they're so fragrant and beautiful. They smell like soap. And so this was something that I did just on, I mean, I did this in less than 15 minutes. And um, 
I put like, of course, I have to put a little glitter on everything. You know, I have to stick a little. We all, need we all need to embellish ourselves with a little glitter. I think it just makes life a little bit more easier and a little bit more fun. You got to keep things lighthearted in the depth of your shadow work. So, um, because that's something that makes you learn not to take things so heavy. So anyway, I but love yeah, that, that you did that and then you, you painted it in, influenced your painting. Um, a lot of artists, um, Van Gogh and I mean, all the famous artists always had something else going on at the time of their artwork, either bipolar, schizophrenia, um, drugs, honestly, you know, right. but it brings out a different side of you. Oh, yes, it does. And then the artwork, I, I saw that artwork and it's like, wow, we all know you're talented. We all have our, your little Corellium up, but it was, it would, it's interesting to see that you did the scrying and then came in and did mm -hmm. the painting to just give that expression. I mean, so. it would be nice if I, if we could all have the power to just scry and then automatically do a mandal. I mean that, you know, you, you can't just all of a sudden just paint a mandal, but I mean, what I would do is I would take notes about what I saw and then I would bring that together. And I know that that sounds, but that coming back, that kind of comes back to numbers and logic and all of that you know that's the thing about when you're painting a mandala it's usually you know you've got all of that and it seems tedious but actually it's a stress relief believe it or not because it's, it's like crocheting is it, that it is kind of just takes your mind off of things exactly so and you know the mandalas i love them i I've always loved them. Um, that is something cool to do with the kids too. Yeah. Oh yeah. The kids, anybody could do this. It could be a workshop where you could like get some people together and just have, you know, an experience with everybody, maybe just getting in a comfortable position and meditating for let's say 15 minutes and then just focus, keep your focus on exactly what it is that you're envisioning while you're in that trance. Um, and it relaxes you. And then when you're finished, when you come out of that trance, you can jot down a little bit of what you've remembered. You're not going to remember everything completely. And then did you see any colors? Did you see any shapes? And all of that from the back of your mind is being projected forward totally. And that helps you really reason with yourself, I think. So I mean, everybody has their own way of doing it. <laughs> it's fascinating because I'm learning a lot. I'm, I'm taking notes on this because I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not a good scryer, but this is making me want to think maybe I need to learn. Maybe I need to spend some time doing it. I yeah. made the scrying mirrors. I made them with the kids uh, last year. Mm -hmm. We made scrying mirrors. So I, I actually have one sitting over there. Yeah. So maybe I need to... Uh, yeah a little bit yeah be fun out there there's it there's just so many cool things to do with yes, divination. um everything is a divination i mean let's be gross and disgusting back in the day they did bird entrails and uh, all sorts of things that we don't want to you know think right about. yeah <laughs> yeah that's kind of not my forte but it could be there was there's many many folklores and um 
if you're into the Appalachian folklore type stuff, um, mm -hmm. I grew up with it. So I, I, I don't have to worry about living it. I've lived it. Um, that owl hoots three times. Somebody's going to die. Someone knocks on the door and nobody's there before the advent of idiots. Um, there means an unexpected stranger will show up on your door. There are so many of these things tied into divination. Um, if the breeze blows the door open, depending on whether it's a north breeze or a south breeze, it's telling you something's coming in or leaving. Um, divination is just trying to know what's going to happen from 0 0.0 seconds to the next. Exactly. It's not necessarily 10 years from now, five years from now. It, it can be any length of time. Again, time is relevant. It is mm -hmm. a man-made notion and it's yes, it is. fluid. So we already know it, it doesn't really, it's not confinable as we define it. But right. when you're doing divination, you have to keep that thought in mind that when you tell somebody, if you see a time period or a time frame, Yes. Um, we had this discussion at work the other day. I, everybody at work knows what I am and they're cool with it. So that's awesome. <laughs> we were talking about, we have um, some really cool orbs where I work. We have cameras and we, we're redoing an old warehouse. So um, we have released some energy, which keeps knocking our cameras out. But we got some orbs that are. Outright, I mean, they are just doing these dances and back and forth and up and down. It was phenomenal. But from the time that we bought the warehouse, I the first time I went over there, I called him George. <laughs> That's my name for him. Um, and when people tell you that they see ghosts or, or any of that sort of thing, mm -hmm. um, you have to be careful when they give you a time frame or because I'm seeing, and I can tell you approximate age of a person. He's in his late 40s, 50s, gray hair. Mm -hmm. Clothes are not always period perfect. If he is in bib overhauls, he could be 30 or 40, 40 or 50. He could have been born 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, because bib mm -hmm. overalls really have not progressed much. No, they haven't. They're timeless. And... As a work uniform, because he's wearing bib overhauls and a darker shirt, mm -hmm. um, our warehouse was built in 78. So, but he could have been 50 years old in 1978, and the bib overalls are perfect. That's yeah. what he would wear. He also could have been on that property in the 1940s mm -hmm. before that warehouse was built, and it would still be age appropriate. So, I always caution people when they start that. Um, and I found out since that someone has died in the warehouse. Um, I'm trying to locate the owner to find out what happened just for my own, you know, pathetic curiosity, because I'm, I heard that the gentleman who did pass, his name was Nick. Okay. In knocking out walls, literally building walls, just craziness. Um, and the last two weeks are, building has escalated in our remodeling and I've noticed cameras going in and out popping. There's three cameras that always go down at the same time. They're not even connected to each other. So we have interesting things going on over there. Um, George, as I call him is, is very cool. 
Um, but when you're doing divination, a lot of times you will come across if you do the seances or if you're doing right. that, you will come across spirits that come in. Um, mm -hmm. You'll be, they'll tell you something, you'll hear something, something will spark in your brain. Um, always take it with a grain of salt because again, you don't know what period they're talking about. Right. Um, not everybody sees the person. Took me a long time to learn that. Some people only hear, some people smell. Um, it, everybody has a different way. And it's funny because one of the, the girls I work with, um, she was like, he was here today. I'm like, he was. She said, yeah, I talked to him for a few minutes. So it's, we're aware of him and we're okay with it because she gets feelings and things like that, but she's never come across anybody who would validate for her right. and right. we validated i knew what i saw i've been seeing all my life i can see these things and um she was describing this and i said oh yeah he's da 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 da, da. he's wearing this he she's like oh, oh my, oh, my goodness else. you know so i've made her month by just you know acknowledging yeah it does happen yeah i do see yeah. it and we have somebody who likes to play with a ball and you can hear a ball bounce so we assume children. We're not sure. Um, I've I've never seen that one. That's a reoccurring bouncing noise that we hear. Mm -hmm. So it's probably something stuck in a loop. I may not see. Um, George, on the other hand, is a little bit more um, intelligent because um, he shows up in different places at different times. Different mm -hmm. things get moved. Um, different things happen door slam he, he slammed the door the other night and i my office doors were locked and it sounded like someone had slammed my door so i peek up and i'm looking like nope that's locked because i locked it i went over and checked it it's locked so um i think with all the work that we're doing we're, we're disturbing things and that's what happens so yeah always keep in mind that that type of divination the crystal balls um those are things also that we use in divination. Now, crystal ball is very much, it's scrying again. It's a type of scrying. It is. Um, everybody goes back to the Harry Potter, you know, with, with the crazy instructions. Yes. And, and I, I, when I talked about my scrying mirror, I almost didn't want to get too Harry Potter-ish because I'm not, I, I, honestly, I don't know. I don't know the first thing about Harry Potter that much <sighs> at all. <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> I know. I can tell I'm you everything about Game of Thrones, but I can't tell you about Harry Potter. Um, I can do Game of Thrones, but I can tell you anything you want to know about Harry Potter. <laughs> we're we're, we're from, there you go. Um, but I mean, but the thing about it is, is I mean, it, it is something that I learned to use. I mean, and you could sit there, I suppose, with a quarant and, and, you know, if you had somebody you know, with you, or if you were in a group, I mean, I scribed with a group one night though, everybody had their own mirror and we were all in a circle. And then we all took notes after everything about what we saw. And that was one of the big, the stepping stones that I had with getting into keeping a journal. You know, that um, sounds like an awesome workshop. It would be a great workshop. You just got to have a dark room though. It would need to be done in the evening at night, after, you know, or you would have to have you know, curtains that can put like in the hotels where you can completely, you know, make the room dark and then light a candle 
it can be just, it can be a regular candle. It can be, you know, a, a tea light, um, but something just to dim the light to almost nothing where you can still see something in your mirror that's moved. It, and, and to me, there's always movement. There's always movement going on, but sometimes there's not. Sometimes it takes a minute, but I, you know, it's, it's whatever is going on. And I, and I can't describe it. Is it, is it the subconscious or is it something else? Is it our ancestors? Is it, is, is it somebody, is it a spirit guide that, that's, that's grabbing you by the hand and leading you in, into that realm? Um, so it's very fascinating to know the background behind the scrying. And like I said, it was a Mesoamerican practice um, with obsidian in in the earlier times um it kind of lets you know too i mean something that's been passed along that long has to have some kind of substance to it or it yes. would have been would have been just thrown away yes yes you i know, mean it, it wouldn't have been passed down and, and used and used and used so that we know about it today yes it was a practice of the mayans and the aztecs and um i've I'm very fascinated, you know, with with that history, with that particular type of history. So and for them to be no longer around, but yet their practices to be tells me that there's there's some substance to the scrying. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Scrying, I know, is done in Scotland, Ireland and England. Mm -hmm. uh, they have scrying bowls. Um, you can do it with water. Bowl. Yeah, you can do it with water. water um you can do it with, I'll tell you a good, a good way to do it also too. Um, I have some quartz bowls that are actually singing bowls and you can, you know, tap the water and make a ripple effect and, you know, scry into the water or even just look at the images that are in the water, or you can do fire scrying. Um, we've sat out of the fire pit before I've done fire pits, um, at night, um, when I'm, you know, doing a, a burning of a, of a piece of paper. And, you know, I'll sit there for a few minutes and watch the fire and see if I can pick up on anything. And a lot of times I'll take a photograph. I noticed that um, I saw a post that somebody had made of a, of a fire that they had the other day. And um, it looked like a female form. It was beautiful. And so it's, it's things like that that come across, you know, when you're, it can be fire, it can be water. Um, there's many different types of ways of, of looking into things like that. Those are fascinating. I just think that would be a really fascinating workshop to have everybody do, make the mirror, then use the mirror, and then discuss yes. what you saw because that's just, and of course, making your own mirror like anything else, you're putting so much of yourself into it, it makes it yeah, and you that can even better. add something to the paint from yourself, if you know what I mean, you know, and that gives it more power to you. Yeah, you know. that, that's fascinating. I never delved that much into scrying, but I really love it. So we're going to tell you that is actually our word tonight is scrying. Scrying. Um, don't forget to go on our Facebook page or you can email us at T-Time, T-H-Y-M-E mc at gmail.com and time is like the herb time so 
try to remember that. We're also on Facebook. You need to subscribe to our YouTube yeah. channel. So subscribe, go yeah. on there and then put scrying and we're not going to count for spelling. Okay. So if you're <laughs> sound it out and spell it that way. We can S C R Y I N G scrying. And you can put cry. It's crying with an S. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, um, get that, get that name in there, get scrying in there and get it to us. And we will be sending you a mug. We are sending mugs out every week. Um, it's a lot of fun for us and we know it's fun for you. Again, we'll ask you if you have any favorite teas or anything. We've had a lot of people suggest teas to us, um, a Jasmine tea. Uh, our very first request came from the fluff and he wanted mint. He said, can you do one on mint tea? So we said, hey, yeah, we can handle that one. Um, right. So, you know, let us know those kinds of things. But remember, it's scrying. Now, one of the other things that I found that I've never been able to do, I'm terrible, terrible, is palm reading. Oh, I, that's, that's beyond me. That but, is. Yeah. And I'll tell you, <laughs> I have no idea, but I love it when I get with a group of witches and someone says, oh, I read palms. My hand is out there really quick. Yes. Here, <laughs> you, don't know it, you want to learn it. You want it's fascinating because it they is. can tell you what all these are. Now, um, it's interesting, and I will tell you that um, in the second degree, I'm going to give you guys who have not gotten there. There's a, a little chapter on divination, mm -hmm. and some of the divination is very different divination, but they do have the one on there on palmistry. And <laughs> again, I've I've obviously done my second degree work, but I have not mastered palmistry yet. So anybody out there has mastered it. It's wonderful. I know it's a lot of fun. It again, um, it's one of those things that you don't need anything for. All you need is the person in the hand of the knowledge. Well, so. one of the one of the things that remember I remembered about the palm class in second degree that very well was each each finger, each digit is ruled by a certain planet. And our middle finger is ruled by Saturn. Imagine that. <laughs> I was hoping it'd be Uranus. <laughs> Sorry, y'all had to hear that. One. Yeah, yeah, I, that would I be just, that would be just priceless. That would, be, uh, yeah, that would be funny. Here we go. Um, the number of things that can be told from the finger. The index finger is Jupiter. Yes, the index so finger is Jupiter. You pick your nose with Jupiter. Um, the middle finger is Saturn. The I ring remember. finger is the sun. That might be having a lot to do with wedding bands. Probably so. And is the moon? Um, the little finger is Mercury. Mercury. And then what is our thumb? It's it. Oh, Where's the thumb? The thumb is a totally different. Index finger. Lord Don's going, mm -hmm, Pam. Oh, here it is. The thumb is built differently from the other fingers. Thus, it is interpreted differently as well. Um, the thumb is ruled by Venus. It's Venus. Wow. Oh. And it represents the will. Well, it what holds everything in your grip. So, yeah. And that's what makes us different from most of the other animals. They don't mm -hmm. have thumbs. They don't have the opposing thumbs. Unless you have a polydactyl cat, then trust me, they can grab that pen just like that. That's I really impressive. She had 
seven, one had seven and one had eight on their extra little toes. So it was like to watch them pick up stuff. They actually had the opposable thumb and it was just bizarre because I had one, their sister um, was, didn't have the polydactyl, only the two did. And to watch them pick up things and then to watch her try to, because she didn't have that, the extra little toes there, she couldn't pick things up like her two sisters could. Because they literally picked up pens, pencils, and stuff like that. They would never expect a cat to be able to pick up because when you have the extra um, toes, it tends to form and fuse and become a thumb. Wow. Okay. Oh, now we got conical fingers and pointed fingers and square fingers. Yeah, and yeah it's a very in-depth course. Uh, with the second degree I remember I remember it very well oh I'm, I'm, I don't remember it that well or I would know everything off the top of my head um, it's called I, <laughs> I, 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 but I do remember I remember Saturn being the middle finger and I was like well you know Saturn has a lot of has a lot of dark stigma behind it yeah that, but it's it's fascinating in the bread yeah, it is. the mounds and the lines and triangles and crosses and the way things, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, yeah. The heart line, the lifeline, um, the fate line, um, and where they cross, where they don't cross and whether it's the right hand or the left hand, because and then you have also on your wrist, you have your wing ring of, of wealth. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just really just kind of just, shooting from the hip of what I remembered from that chapter. You remembered a lot more than I did because I literally printed it off. <laughs> the printer was burning paper while I was trying to get yeah. off. Because yeah. I, like I said, um, I don't do it. I'm fascinated by people that do it. There's also the body. Every part of your body has a type of divination to it. Because depending on the shape of things and the way your face is, like someone has an honest face or something like that, it mm -hmm. is a form of divination because how symmetrical your face is and how pleasing it is to the eye is whether or not you trust a person. Right. There's little things that you don't. You meet somebody, like, why do I immediately like them or why don't I like them? A lot of times it's energy, but it can be just looking at their face and there's something there that just doesn't click with you um and i was again going over this i was like oh my goodness you know really going crazy on this i found it um very interesting with the individual features it's your forehead how it, mm -hmm. without a receding hairline how how your forehead is how your lines are across your forehead mm -hmm. oh Whether yeah it's um the height the width the shape the angle your hairline where your hairline is um and it was, there's a lot of things you can look at on a person's face and see a lot of things that until you start taking these courses and start, then you really start looking at people and yeah. try not to stare, you get arrested. Um, <laughs> I'm always good for that. Eyebrows are um, actually the way they are, how they move, how, not necessarily how thick they are, but how they are naturally shaped without you shaping them. How right. they naturally, are they high? Are they low naturally on your face? Now there for a long time in the seventies, the thing was to shave your eyebrows. Sha and draw oh yeah. Them off. That was yeah. a 
the skinny little line that we tried to draw that yeah. never you could never get them things either. and then brooke shields came into the picture and she totally re redefined the eyebrows in the early 80s because it right. was i remember really big eyebrows and then Pushy i started eyebrows. yes and then i remember tweezing them out in the 90s so yeah it's um we went in the 70s to the very thin little where it just tapered off and there was nothing there and then yeah you know we did all kinds of crazy stuff but if you do it natural it's where they're placed on your face is what they're looking at How right they're above the eye do they go around the eyes or do they just stop so i've thought that now you're they eyes. really the, the thing about brows is they really express the face they really express and give answer to what your eyes and what your thing i mean because you they move up and down i mean you can tell you know just you know somebody's hmm you know or somebody's just you know really in deep thought you know trying to move my face it's, it's really <laughs> interesting because you you don't uh, let's be honest most women notice brows because we tweeze we pluck we, we do all sorts of things it's the beauty thing yeah and we tend to notice them um but as you get older they obviously they get much sparser um yeah. and you don't want to fill them in with black because let's face it as you get older the the last thing you want really on your face is anything dark but your lipstick you can get away yeah. with but up here you just don't want to you know scare yeah. anybody so um and you do a lot of softer colors you want to soften your whole entire routine yeah. with age yeah and um i was fascinated by i don't pluck mine as much anymore because mine are, are thinning because i'm getting older yeah. And I started noticing the actual shape because I've not really seen the actual shape of my eyebrows 40 years. 50 years. <laughs> because we plucked them. I mean, right. Oh, I know. I, I squeezed mine the other day and I was, I, I, but I only had like three or four strays because they're not coming in like they used to. Right. And as you get older, it's like you don't want to tweeze because there'd be nothing there, you right. know. And then you got the little wiry gray hairs coming out that just are so wonderful. <laughs> um, yeah so i have noticed i now have a natural brow because i've not tweezed in about two years except for underneath like down in here a little bit um mm -hmm. where it just for some reason they scatter and they're growing but i'm noticing i have a much softer brow than i really realized because i i tweezed it for so many years that it was, it was more of a darker you know kind of a, a harsher line and i've noticed right. it's coming in now it's coming in very soft and very curvy not as mm -hmm. straight lined as i had it i was like wow you know they don't look half bad i was <laughs> good looking with age that's the only thing that's held up everything else is you know just gone. oh pam you look good gone the you look good pam you know that. <laughs> uh it's it's rough when you you know you hit in the 60s and it's like oh yeah now eyes have always been a big thing with um, people, especially because people of different ethnic groups have different shaped eyes. And um, the big thing in uh, the Asian countries were to Americanize their eyes, to take yeah. out the almond and yeah. to make it more American. And the Americans tend to want to do the almond eyes. Well, what they're doing now is 
they're taking um, surgical sutures. I mean, this is an invasive procedure that they're doing now, but the fox eye is now real popular. I, anyway, I'm, it's raining here, so I'm, <laughs> forgive me. Um, but anyway, no, they're taking what they call threads and they're made with PDO, polydiopsisaccharide, I believe. Anyway, it's a thread and they put it, it's attached to a needle and they put it down in around the eye area. You have a doctor do it, of course. And then they pull the needle out and the thread is stuck in there. So then they engage it where it's actually doing this. Doing it, pulling it. Yes, it's pulling it back. So that's the new trend. And then of course, Americanizing the Asian eye that has been done. And it's to me, um, I don't know why somebody would want to do that, honestly. Um, it's a very because, thing over there though. It's, um, yeah. it's, it's kind of like, you know, they save up to have this done to take that away from there. They, there, there is a, yeah, they, and another thing too, that I remember, and I mean, this is kind of off topic, but I remember too, when I worked all those years in cosmetics, um, it's right the opposite of the Western world. They want very light skin, especially in also in the Middle Eastern countries too. Um, lighter skin is a sign of aristocracy. Whereas here, um, it, we want a tan feel. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> We want to be dark. We, you know, we want, we want a suntan and we want to, you know, sunbathe and it, it, and here again, that shows that we have leisure time and, um, and whatever is showing that you're living a more luxurious lifestyle. So, um, it's interesting how different cultures have different standards of beauty. And when you look at somebody because of the different standards, you're either accepted as a beautiful person or a not so beautiful person. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that could, you know, impact your entire life from that point on. Yeah. How yeah. you view yourself. But I was fascinated by the eyes because they say they're the windows to the soul. As you get older, you get what they call it, the crepey eye, where mm -hmm. the actual eye starts to, the skin starts to droop over top of the lid. Yeah. Um, that just is just saying that, yep, you got a couple years on you. And, um, and that's yeah, the and they do a million times a day. Yeah, they, they, uh, well, the, the droopy eyelid over that is, there is a surgery for that called blepharoplasty. And um, that's where they actually go in and remove the fat pad because the fat pad, we have them, you know, from birth, but they start to shift with age. Um, all of this begins to move down. And so what they'll, they'll do is they'll go in and remove that fat pad and then sew that back together. And, and it's very beneficial for people who have vision obstruction. So anyway. That, yeah, those are, I mean, if it's a vision obstruction, I can see it, but the, those are things that, and as you change the shape of your face dramatically like that, it does change the way you're, you're looked at, the way, you're, the way you perceive yourself. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, those changes, um, and the different sizes of the eyes, whether the iris are shown and not shown. Um, I have very, very dark brown eyes. I mean, very mm -hmm. dark. They look almost black when you first look at them. Um, 
and that was considered at one time a sign of beauty. The large iris in the eye, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it's called the doe-eyed look. That was a big thing back in the 17th century, um, especially here in America, because they were using the belladonna and dropping yeah. it in their eyes to dilate yeah. them. I'm like, oh, nothing greater than, you know, let's just pour that poison in. Let's and just blind up. ourselves. Yeah, basically. <laughs> The things like, we do for for um, to make ourselves feel, you know, more in trend with what's considered beautiful. Uh, well, there for a long be. time, women used that white uh, powder that was lead based. Yes, and it ate away at their skin, and then they would just keep putting stuff back on top of it, and, and it would eat away at their face. On. I was like, wow. Uh, noses, um, whether your nose now noses are a thing. Um, Italians, Greeks, we tend to have the, what we call the Roman nose. It's Roman all over your face, you know, that right. kind of thing. Right. Um, the, the large nose is usually that area. Um, I got my father's Scottish nose. I don't know how I managed that, but my mother has the Roman nose. I was blessed with a little, what we call the little turned up nose. Um, but it's actually... Um, I was surprised to see that a lot of my um, relatives, my older relatives, more native, actually have the same nose. Mm -hmm. So the natives were, from my group, my tribe, um, actually mm -hmm. has a smaller nose. And I thought that was right. really weird. Um, but that's another thing. Again, cheekbones. You can tell cheekbones. Um, high cheekbones native is the Native American trait. Um there are other yeah. things, but it's usually a higher cheekbone, and the higher cheekbone tends to set our eyes off a little bit. Yes, it does. You so get that. You get that arch. Whole, yeah, you get that arch thing going on. Um, as I've gotten older, my cheekbones. I someone asked me if I if these were mine or if I had implants, and I'm like, oh no. Oh my goodness, that's a compliment. I I was like, what? I I couldn't under. But mine are very high and always have been. So. Um, as I've gotten older, and the skin now is, is not as firm, obviously, but my cheekbones tend to are a little bit more prominent than they used to be. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was looking at an old picture of me, and they were like, "Wow, your cheekbones—they're mine. Trust me, they're mine." Um, again, and you have the the thing going down, and I'm going to say this wrong: the philtrum, and it's probably incorrect. It's right here. Um, the, the line down here now right here I had skin cancer in um, 2009 they had to take a half an inch out of my lip so I look like I have a cleft palate it wasn't and they had to go in and remove uh, just about a half an inch so mine has shifted okay so because of the because of the surgery yeah the line okay. goes here and that line they took a half an inch out so it shifted my whole face and to this day drinking out of a cup can be a challenge i bet the muscles once that half inch was gone the muscles do not know how to react and you have to retrain it took me a long time to drink well they probably well yeah and also the nerve tissue there too probably there was some damage from that too i'm i didn't know about that pam i'm sorry to hear about yeah um, that's what happens when you put baby oil on and lay out in the sun for decades. Baby oil and iodine. 
Yes, I didn't need the iodine. The baby oil was plenty enough for me. I've had it, uh, skin cancer in about six or seven places taken off. But oh my the most was this. And this was probably the most dramatic because I can see it. I see it every right. day. Right. It was like, wow. So my lips are actually off. Um, to put lipstick on is a challenge because I have to fill in and, and adjust. Um, you can't see it on here. I don't know if I can get close enough. I would have never, I've never, I have never known it. It's, and they say when you have it, a, a natural accent, this would be considered a natural accent. It was surgery to correct something that way it changes your face is how you were meant to be. So I, because I wondered how I would read my lips now compared to how I would have read them prior. You know, and that's so interesting, you know, the shape of the lips. And then of course this, like you said, the philium area. Um, it, it, and then of course our eyes, I mean, everything, it's just interesting. I wish that there was someone out there that knew how to do facial divination. Um, cause that's bringing us back to, I mean, cause I, I was about to get off on, you know, facial mapping with, you know, beauty and all that, but just thinking about how, you know, you look at somebody's eyes, you look at somebody's, even their ear or, you or know, you look at their lips, if they're thin lipped, they're like, oh, they're mean, they're miserly. You know, if you've got yeah. full sensual, what's the first thing? Full sensuous lips. You've already labeled that person. Yeah. You yeah. Know? I mean, you, it's, it's an automatic thing, you know, to, and yeah. your face and how you look and how you perceive you look. Um, the resting bitch face. We've all heard that. Ah. And um, I have the concentration look. I, when I evidently, there's a look I get when I'm very probably working on it. When you you're know, industrious, you're sitting there and you're into what you're I'm doing. I'm looking at it. My boss says, you get this look on your face. And I'm like, oh, how bad is that? He's like, no, you just get this really super focused and when you're hyper focused like that it's like the world doesn't exist and i know it doesn't because everything is blocked but what i'm doing and it's almost like going into an astral projection or into mm -hmm. another i don't want to say alternate dimension but it is another level of intensity oh when yeah i can imagine are, like you're reading and you're so into the book that someone has to call at you four or five times to get your attention. Right. You're really engrossed in something like, let's say you're looking at, you know, or we're reading a book here. I've got a book over here and I'll be sitting there. I'll never forget one time. I mean, this is the essence of Shinto, by the way. Um, but, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, you know, you're really into it. And somebody's like, hello. And they're like, what's that look on your face? Are you mad at me? And I'm like, no, I, I, it has nothing to do with you. I'm just reading a book. <laughs> and when you, you're talking about divination, you're talking about the future. If you see somebody and you meet them that way, you're like, oh, they're going to be, oh, you know, they're, they're somebody I don't want to talk to because they have that resting mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. you know, and my boss, he just says, I can tell when you're hyper-focused, he says, it's your, you get this look on your face. And I, I often wonder if you meet somebody for the first time in that, you know, like they're hyper-focused and you're looking at them, you're like, oh, do I really want to talk to them? So you've mm -hmm. already kind of divined how someone's going to talk to you. 
without knowing it. Um, a lot of us too, when you really get, you're really looking at something like if I'm tired and I'm looking at something, it's this, I have the worst habit. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Twirling yeah, the twirl. hair. And it's, I get that. And it's my boss is you have remind him of one of his children because I sit here and I do this and then and you're he says, it's hair. like you're going to sleep. But he says, you're really, fo you're really concentrating on something. So, um, you're, it's not just what it looks like, but it's when you're all put together and, oh, yeah. um, the ears, uh, there was a thing, um, whether your earlobes are attached or unattached. It's like oh, I know. I, um, I had a relative who had attached earlobes and that was the first time I had ever seen that before. And I mean, I thought, wow, that's kind of neat. <laughs> but there is about the earlobes um it's like if they're too close to the head they indicate a person who is reserved mm -hmm. if they what we used to call the taxi cab you know the, the big that kind of like set out there um if they're too big it tends to indicate overconfidence a lack of self-control impulsiveness mm -hmm. These are things that when you look at somebody, you've already made decisions. Like I said, the thin lips. Um, I don't know why we associate that with cruelty. Or if you're watching television, look at the mean guys. <laughs> you know? They they make sure that they've got. They do though. They make sure that they make them look like they're. Um, it's I guess almost like a sense of I I don't know I don't want to say that it makes you look angry but you know when you yeah. don't but you know you, mm, you know mm. right and they said the thin lips is a big thing yeah now the jaw everybody's jawline yeah you always hear a strong you want a man with a strong jaw you know and all that kind of silly stuff oh yeah. Um, but uh, you again uh, the chin is considered to represent willpower. That's interesting. So and I the chin profile or just the, the depth of the um, chin? It's, the chin is considered to represent the power of will, um, one's ability to focus and per persevere. So um, I guess when we say he has a strong jawline, we're talking about he's a very strong person. Yeah. Um, and it's all the little things that you've heard growing up about, you know, um, He's got a strong jaw. Look, he's got an angular nose and, and those kinds of things. And you associate certain physical things with certain ethnic groups. Oh, yes, you do. So it's, it's fascinating how all of that comes together. The shape of your head, whether it's um, round or it's more conical or, mm -hmm. um, you know, how it's, if you've got a flat piece back here. Uh, yeah. Flat um, there, it's more round there. Yeah. Mine's flat. Mine is actually flat back here. And if there's a ridge because when they cut my hair, she mm -hmm. always cuts it. She's like, I'm going to make sure that ridge doesn't show. So they clip it. So my ridge doesn't show back there, but my head goes there and then comes down like that. <laughs> no, it's interesting. Yeah. It probably means I'm like a sociopath or something. And Hey, <laughs> no, it doesn't. I'm sure it does. I'm sitting here going, yes. Um, there's so many ways and there's so much divination out there. There are things that we haven't even begun to talk about. Um, you can spend 
years. And I mean, oh, yeah, learning this. And this is one of the really fun things that I really much enjoyed when I did my um, degrees was half of the stuff in the divination second. Oh, yeah. I never even heard of mold. It, it's mold. Oh, yeah. I have. I don't. I used to blacken it in, darken it in. I have a mold here and then I have, I have one on this side here, too. But but that was considered actually i think years i mean like centuries ago it's a beauty mark it was a beauty mark yeah and um i had a friend and a, a, a former colleague when i was working in atlanta she went and had one tattooed close to her face i mean close to her uh, mouth yeah right here um mm -hmm. that was a thing back with marie antoinette in that time period yes. that was a very big thing the white face and the and the oh, and the beauty God. mark, yeah, yeah, and it was put on. It was done with a piece of charcoal, yes, sometimes or whatever they had to put that that mark on. Now I have one up here, um, yeah, yeah. little mole that it's the one that grows the hair. You know the one that you got to pluck all the. You time. have to pluck it every now and then. Yeah, yes, I do, and I have a, you have to maintain them. <laughs> I, you know, once you hit a certain age, honey, you're maintaining a lot of hair. <laughs> It was like, oh, yeah, it wasn't bad enough. I didn't have the mustache. Now I've got the goatee going on. So I look like a goat at the end of the day. Um, but again, it's, it's how you see a person and how you take all of that that you've learned growing up mm -hmm. and put it together to see mm -hmm. if you like a person or you don't like a person. You can sit in a crowded room and look across the room and see people. Oh, I like them. I don't like them. I like them. I don't like them. And yeah. a lot of that is based on how they look. Just how you, I mean, somebody can, and, and it's sad. I mean, it, it, you know, I mean, it, it's that, but I mean, and then again, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, you know. Oh, as he, we've seen, there's been some beauty things that we've done to ourselves, girl. That I know, like shaving eyebrows. I mean, I, personally don't want I me mean, if that's your cup of tea then go for it i mean uh, i'm i'm open-minded whatever makes you feel good <laughs> they made the little waist where the women actually surgically had um ribs removed to get that 18 yes. waist back in the day i was like mm. that's spooky yeah um that's you know the things we do for beauty but we're actually trying to change the way we look to appease something to Put out right. a better, um, once I have this done, I'm going to be beautiful. My life's going to be better. And once you know I, what? You want something else after that. Yeah, it, it's, it is very much, um, you're never, if you're not happy with yourself the way you are, you're not going to be happy with doing stuff usually. Usually. It, now, it, once in a while, someone can have something done and they're very happy and they go on with life. Um, friend of mine was uneven and got it even, it was a, almost a whole cup size difference got wow. that they were good from that point on they were good never had any more done but that was very much a confidence thing you know oh, so, yeah. and it was a big it was a noticeable difference so when everything got evened out it was fabulous but you have to stop and think if this tells a story and you alter it how much mm -hmm. of the story are you altering I have seen some before and afters of a lot of alterations on faces and sometimes I, I'm like, well, that's a good little blow up that I've been through. 
that, you know, it's okay to have a touch up here and there, but it can get really overdone looking. And oh, I've seen some of those pictures. We, I mean, as much as I love Dolly Parton, God bless her, bless her heart. (laughs) You know, I mean, but I will say she's a beautiful woman. Uh, and she will tell you about every nip and tuck she's had. She is not ashamed of them. But she's not. She's not afraid of it. And so, but you know, it it does change her. Like we we've seen the changes in Dolly over the years. Yes, and you look at her; she's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, I remember her back on Porter Wagner. Now that's uh-huh. years when she was first starting starting out, and she was she looked like this little innocent country girl. And I've seen her those old pictures of her. She looks just beautiful, beautiful. She's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, yeah. she had a great foundation to work with. Yes, she did. She had a very good structure to her face, so she was able to do a lot with it to and not go so bad. Yeah. So I've seen some of those. Yeah, they're kind of scary. Yeah, but it's amazing how we look at that, and that's how we picture that person. So that's how we divine that person. Yeah. And it's unfair because I like to try to see the soul of an individual. I like to feel their energy, especially. Um, And I think as I've matured um, over the years, and I can't say that I'll ever reach full maturity (laughs) because you learn something new every day, (laughs) but um, mind blown. But, um, you know, the thing is, is that I've learned to pick up on the cues of you know, how someone can, you know, they've got a calm aura about them or they really, you know, instead of trying to just look, I mean, because we're not going to take this vessel with us when we leave this world or this incarnation. Not at all. But it's interesting when you start looking at um, the different shapes of faces and the heart shape, the oval, the square, the what. And I have never been able, okay, you look, because they used to have, I did Mary Kay for 10 years. So we had the Mary Kay things. You know, if you have oval eyes, if you have this, you have that. And I right. could never figure out what I had. I could do the whole room and it come to me and I'm like, I don't have a clue. And <laughs> I, I could never get mine straight. And I, I was always like, what is wrong with me? My director said, I don't see me in that light. I see who I am. So that's why I'm not seeing this physical. I'm seeing me. She says, people would kill to be able to do that, to see who yeah. they really are. Because I, there was a couple of us in the you know, group that were having trouble doing ourselves. But it was like, oh, yeah, you've got a round face. You've got an oval face. You've got this. You've got yeah, that. they had a classification for each facial type. Right. And you, what's yours? I have no clue. So... Um, she said, I don't really see, and there is an actual psychological condition where people do not recognize faces. They will not recognize the face of their parents, their brothers and sisters, or husbands and wives. Wow. They meet them for the first time every day. And if that person doesn't speak first, they don't know who they are. So is it an amnesia? No. A form of amnesia? Nope. It's the wiring. It's the hard wiring in your brain. Your brain does not go through that part of the tunnel. It goes around it. 
Wow. So That's you actually cannot recognize, if you look at the picture, it looks like a stranger and it's your husband or your child. And if they speak, you hear them, you know who it is. Mm -hmm. But to see them, you don't see them. So it's almost like being blind to a great extent. It's the way the brain is hardwired and right. their brain is not hardwired. So um, facial recognition doesn't work for them at all. That's interesting. Uh, I just remember one of my psychology classes, we were talking about very unusual um, hardwiring of the brain as we were, we were calling yeah. it. Um, how people's brains are wired differently. And it's amazing. People who are analytical many times do not do well with divination because you have to be open. And when you're analytical, you're not open. You're analyzing. You're not just letting stuff flow. You're analyzing it. Analyticals are usually accountants, uh, computer programmers, and that kind of stuff. I broke the mold on that one, and I don't know how because I'm good with numbers, but my brain is hardwired completely different from anybody I've ever worked with in the field. They're like, I can see patterns in numbers. I can see where a number should be. I, mm -hmm. things, and that's the accountant in you. And it comes out. Yeah, it, it, it comes out. But I have this wonderful brain that just goes off on its own. So I, <laughs> when I'm given a problem, they tell you to think outside the box. I'm never in the box. I see things differently. And I, as a child in school, it, it was very difficult because I didn't make the same assumptions. Uh, I got to the same point, but where someone would do this, I'm, and I it's, got there. Yeah, it's like three plus three plus three is nine. Back to numerology, four plus five is nine. Two plus seven is nine. You still got to the number nine, but everybody else is three times three plus three plus three, and I was over here with one and eight <laughs> by myself. So, so hence, hence again, we numerology. You know, I mean, there's different ways around it. There really is, and if you, um, when you're doing your divination, that's the one thing that you you have to be most conscious of that you don't steer it. Let it come. Don't, right. don't, don't tell it where to go. Don't tell it how to come in. That's, and that's a control freak thing. Yeah. Um, it's very hard if you're a control freak. You have to be able to allow it to wash over you and come into you how it's going to. You've got to let it go. You've got to learn to just let it flow and, and wash, like you said, wash down you. But a lot of people... When you're first doing divination, there are no hard and fast rules. There is nothing that you can do other than learn the technique that you're working with, whatever it is. You learn, if it's tarot, you learn all the cards, you learn their meanings, you learn how to read the, the symbolism. And then from that point, you start from there. Mm -hmm. um, the pendulum, the same thing. You know, you learn which way this goes and what this means, and you go from mm -hmm. there. Divination is one of those things that comes to you. You can't call it. It's like no. a cat. What was no, the last it can't. Time you called your cat and it came. Unless you, the only thing I can hand. do is rattle a, the the feed bag and he'll come. Right, and but, that's not because they're coming to you. They're coming for the food. Yeah. They're coming for the food. 
Definitely. So it's kind of like calling a cat. You have to allow it to come to you. And I've seen over the years where people just get so frustrated and it's like, you're, you're trying too hard. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's a very difficult thing. Um, one of my poor students, I had one of those analytical students who just was doing his best. He just could not bridge that. And yeah. one day I just kept telling him, you just have to relax, relax. What do you do to relax? And he did, like reads textbooks or something, you know, no, no, right. no, we've got to get you to, you know, chillax a little bit. And he had been working on, um, kind of just like a little daydreaming because once you learn to daydream and that's been taken away from us but when you're daydreaming that's when you're streaming thoughts and you're open oh yeah oh when you're daydreaming just let it all come in he had never daydreamed oh my goodness he had never, i couldn't imagine i i, I spent <laughs> but 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 i mean you know i mean you know I can see where somebody may have never had that experience. They would, they don't know what they're missing out on though. I mean, because daydreaming is fantastic. I used to and I, I'm gonna say this as a child, I would sit there and I'd get bored when I was in class and I would see pictures in my textbook. This is like fourth grade. I remember sitting at my desk and I would think about being at the beach. Oh, I yeah, would think about, I, I, I would be like, I, I would be thinking about being, and, I, and then I'd get home and I'm like, Mom, where are we going to go on vacation this summer? <laughs> you know? Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah. But I finally, this guy was sitting there, had the TV half on, and he was in that twilight yeah. where you go to sleep, and he got his first daydream of a premonition. And what was his reaction to that? He was scared to death. He didn't know what to do with oh. it. Called me shaking. And I'm like, oh, that's so wonderful. I'm so happy for him. And he's like, I'm scared to death. Can I go to sleep tonight? Like, yeah. Sure you can. Uh, you just had a you just had a daydream. You had a thought. You had a vision. And uh yeah, it just it blew his mind. And uh from that point forward, I, I guess we broke the dam. He was able to actually he became an intuitive. He oh wow! An intuitive, but he had built that wall so hard that I didn't think we were ever going to get it. And once that brick came out, it all flowed, and he um, he got really good at it. And it was just like things would come to him. He'd see somebody and go, "Ooh, no, don't like her. Ooh, I like him." Uh, the, all of it came out, and he was just yeah. absolutely amazed. He was like, "I can't believe I didn't know this part of the world." Right. And we've grown up in that part of the world. I mean, we've had yeah. had that and we've had the magical and we've had. Yeah, we see things. Yeah, we hear things. We know what's going on. We feel things. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. there. But to someone that that is alien to that all of a sudden, like get hit with it. I mean, he was he was really scared at first. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I've been doing this for we won't say how long I have been. I am the worst daydreamer. I've never, I had never heard of somebody who daydreamed, but I mean, you know, I, you know, some, everybody is wired differently as my husband would say. I it's <laughs> my brain is off. We all know that, but 
I know I have known from a small child I was wired differently. I learned differently. Yeah. Um, I associate things really bizarrely. Um, I just it's like I growing up, I always thought I was an alien. You know, I, I kept thinking because I didn't think like anybody else. I came up well, with weird questions and it was like, OK, one of you two is an alien. Who is it? Um, I, and it, 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 it is, it, and, and with that thought, I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, I'm trying to remember the first time I was able to even comprehend something as a child and realizing that I was actually living this life. I know that's like very deep, but I mean, you know, what are my chances of being? Okay. I mean, what, what are your chances of being? We all, we all are each uniquely gifted with this life and you know i just think it's amazing i know this sounds really weird but it's to me it's just it was that first thought of being able to comprehend something i remember i can i have a memory back to maybe about three years old and um i just remember being with my grandparents and my parents and you know i can say i was fortunate to have had a good childhood for the most part um, but just what is that chance that you are actually existing, you know, and, 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 and it, it is truly a gift. It's truly a gift. It's, and when you grow up and you have experiences and you start yeah. in the path and you start having divination and you start, um, having dreams or things that that deja vu was is you know when you're little it's weird and as a teenager you're scared but then as an adult you're going oh really this again um but it's it's very interesting to see how different groups react to that deja vu or that um insight that they get that they don't know how it got there it's your gut it's um what yeah. whatever you want to call yes. it now. yes Gives, no deja vu the timeline of life um, and and you can use those as divinations. That's those are little. I always like to think of them as little premieres, little you know ticklers. Like, oh, that could mm -hmm. be my life, or oh, that's what's happening over there. Mm -hmm. That little thing that's like, okay, this is part of my life, but it's not, but it is. Yeah, you go somewhere, you know where something is automatically, or you. Um, I didn't realize uh, I was when I was little, um, I evidently knew my great uncle's house. I don't remember my great uncle to this day, you don't, but you just remember the home. Yeah. As a child, I walked in and told him where everything was. And I never, wow. he died not too long after that. So I, I don't remember him at all. Yeah. But, yeah. um, my father said I walked in, I knew where everything was in the house. That's interesting. And my Fascinating. I've been there. You know, my dad was bringing me for the first time to meet my great uncle. And I knew where everything was. Yeah. So it was like, oh, that's a little weird. You know, because it was, uh, my father said I was like three or four, had to potty, went right to the bathroom. <laughs> And he was like, okay, need a drink of water. Went up and pointed to the cabinet. That was the one that had the cups in it. How I knew was, there's no way. Right. But little 
things that happen like that, um, parents tend to, oh, that's, that's nothing. Uh, my family is from Appalachia, so it was. Oh, yeah, you're just like aunt so-and-so. You'd be all right. Um, and it was not celebrated. It was not brought out. It was just like, ah, it's normal. Then you go to school in Baltimore, and they're going like, excuse me? You yeah. Do what? You know, yeah. so um, I learned now? to balance the two. And, it, and I was able to keep that childlike learning stuff. Um, I'm very intuitive. I know all this stuff. My cousin and I, when we were little, we were able, she had it much stronger than me, 10 times stronger than me. I envied her. She does not have it today. When I went back last year, we were talking about it. And I said, don't you remember when we little, we knew and we would do. And she was like, I remember that, but I just, I don't have that ability. I said, it's there. You just put that wall up. So um, I've been teasing her. Uh, I'm going back in July again. So I've been teasing her. I said, you've been working on that. So, you know, we, we, we can work this yeah. out. But growing up, I guess um, she was probably told, um, of course, we're all told our imaginary friends are just that. Right. Imaginary friends. Um, and but other I think that it's truly like we are psychic as children. Um, I think all you know, children are. Have you ever you watched know. a small child? Yeah. Four years I old. Mean, the, where they know what is acceptable in society. I I mean I've I've seen I mean my my sister. Okay, she had imaginary friends, and um, we all. I mean the the adults in the family played along with it. I mean they they validated it so that way she didn't you know. I mean, fortunately, my mom had uh, gone to school to be an elementary school teacher. So she had the child development background. But my my sister got so upset one time because <laughs> her imaginary friend was left in the restroom of this men's dress, this men's Miss Taylor shop that was in this old downtown business district of a small town that we we were brought up in. Anyway, we they went shopping and we gotten all the way out to the car and she started crying and mama was leaving and about to back out. And she said, we got to go back in because we left. So his name was Charlie Ben. And she said, Charlie Ben is in the bathroom. And we had to, we had to go. Everybody had to go back and the restroom <laughs> was upstairs <laughs> and everybody had to go back into the dress shop and go up the stairs and my mom just said we left something in the restroom <laughs> didn't explain anything and you had a wonderful mom let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> she had she had some patience and she still does so but um but yeah i mean it was just interesting it was just so interesting how you know you know, I, I have heard people talk about how children are psychic because they have imaginary friends. They can see something that's not there. And, you know, they're having that experience. And as an adult, you have two choices. You either accept it or you say, really, get a life. Right. Um, and it's, that is a very tough decision because 
you want your children, if you're raised, okay, if you've got a pagan background, of course you want your kids to be the best psychics in the world, you know, you're excited, but then it's like, oh my God, now we have to teach him how not to do that in school. Um, my son uh, is an empath and he mm-hmm. hears, he's audiovoyant and clear, clear audience. Yeah. Very, very much. So when he, um, one year he was about four and his father took him shopping for at Christmas time. I don't know if it was for me or his mom or something, but they went and Jason came out of the mall and he's like, Oh, and his father's like, what is wrong with you? And he's why do they have to think so loud? So of course his father brings him home and goes, that is your child. (laughs) But he's like, I said, what happened now? Because he was the bathroom inspector. So I thought, you know, you, you have that one that has to inspect every bathroom and every store that you go in. He was the bathroom inspector. And I'm like, oh, what did he do now? Ten times in the Macy's or something. Right. right. Like, no, tell mommy what you said in the car. You know, like, <laughs> okay, now we have to make some hard and fast choices. We've yeah. got to make some decisions on this child. Um, but if you watch small children, um, they play and they they have abilities and mm-hmm. you can see two children play and not say a word oh yeah but they're yeah. communicating the whole time yeah now my family was like that me and the kids and i would have to say okay everybody voices because there'd be people like my poor husband in the house and we didn't need to speak only like a word here or there because pictures, we flash pictures at each other. We knew what we were right. talking about. But everybody else is like, there's no voice. So growing up, I learned um, with my kids to say, let's use our voices. We've got company. We have to use our right. voices. We have our company voice. Yes. And it was like, it, company wants to hear how pretty your voice is. So we have to use it. You're, you're encouraging. And I'm like going, how many other parents are having this conversation? You know, cause you start to think you're losing your mind after a while, but right. Um, when my daughter came here again, it was that instant, you know, reconnect and there weren't that many words exchanged. We don't need to. And then it's right. like voices show. She's, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of funny, but all children, I believe all children are born psychic. They're I agree. All born with all they need. And yeah. if we don't take it out of them, they have it. And yeah. that's our, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and I think that's the thing is you've just, and in, 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 even in, you know, with, with my grandmother had Louis Bobby dementia. I mean, that's a totally different situation. Um, but she was having visions and things like that when she was going through that in the last part of her life. And I just played along with it. She was a school lunchroom manager for years and years and years. And so she was having recollections of those experiences and they were real, you know, because she oh, was yeah. seeing this stuff. And so, you don't, the, the, the last thing you need to do is resist somebody. Because My dad, do, um, before he you, died, was the morphine. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when they're in that type of situation, do not yeah. resist them. Just play along with it. And I don't want to say play along, go along with it. Just let yep. it flow. Go with the flow. And, and validate what they're saying and just go and, and just 
because sometimes it just makes it worse if you're gonna you know try to fight because them on it them, what is happening then is really what real my dad had ptsd um mm -hmm. he was in a war he was in korea so yeah. um when he was dying they had him on a lot of morphine and we call it visits in our family i'm from a military family so we're not used to it but we know how to deal with it and he would go on a visit to korea and he would start yelling and you know yeah he was having all of those he would have that or he'd see me and he'd call me by my mother's name and talk to me as though i mm -hmm. were my mother and i do look like her and it was like um okay i just okay whatever you say <laughs> and just played along because he just he was very uh i at first tried to correct him not realizing that um I knew about the Korea visits. We all knew how to handle that, but mm -hmm. I had never seen him visit um, without it being a war zone. And right. when he was on the morphine, they say that that just loosens up the brain and just oh, yeah. flow. And he was visiting. He was in an altered state and he was having those. He rebel. was having visions of my mother and yeah. he was just talking to me as though I were her. And I started to correct him, and he got he got really upset, you know. And yeah. Was violent, so um, the doctor. In fact, the nurse told me she says we just 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 nod off. your head. Yep, she said basically just sit there and um, Patty's hand, nod nod your head, just like you're paying attention, even though you're not, because he is visiting those periods in his life because the drugs are opening up those neural pathways that had not been mm -hmm. opened in a while mm -hmm. so that's mm -hmm. another way of looking at it um, right. psychic ability is interesting people have had head injuries and become psychic um mm -hmm. all, all sorts of things cause you hit by lightning they're psychic you know kind oh, of oh yeah that that would be a life-changing situation <laughs> uh, definitely would be um but with the divination stuff that goes on children are really open to that because they don't have any preconceived ideas. We've lived long enough. We know how life can be and how oh, things yeah. are. So sometimes that colors us as readers. Um, it, and it, we see things and then, you know, you have to explain what you see. And you only know through your own experiences what you are seeing. So that when you're explaining it, you can only explain it to the best of your experience ability. Children, on the other hand, have none of that. You, you watch a child, give a child some divination and watch them. Up until they're about seven years old, as long as they've never been told no, you know, that doesn't right. exist, it's not a world, whatever. As long as they've let their imaginations go, it is amazing. They see the fairy rings. They will oh, see. Oh, I know. I know. Yes. I mean, my granddaughters, I used to get so like, because mm, they would go outside and look, look. I don't see, I see. And then, you know, they'd see the fairies. They'd see all kinds of stuff. And yeah. I was too jaded to see it. I had to learn to go back to learn yeah. how to see it again. So I, I urge all the parents, I know your kids are crazy. Um, mine are totally certifiable. They will tell you. <laughs> their mother. Yeah, they, they start telling the war stories and then it's like, you lived, didn't you? Don't complain. Don't um, complain. <laughs> But it is, if you watch children, they don't have that. Um, and I have found that sometimes the best experience is watching a child and watching how they're doing the divination. 
Yeah. Because they will be able to do it. Four or five-year-olds can do this. They can do the divinations. They can see the things. They can do the I Ching. There are so many things out there that a child can do, but they are open. They've not closed. Nobody closed their windows or doors for them because no one told them they couldn't do it yet. The first three years of life, you were told 70% of the time the word no. Oh, yeah. And Try that's just going for two hours with a child and not using the word no. No. I mean, you, and you, it's, a, it's a protective mechanism from a, a parent standpoint. Right. But, but at the same time, you know, you're it's wanting difficult. them. Um, we did a, a Boy Scout thing, well, Cub Scouts. I had Cub Scouts at the time. We went, tried to do uh, a 45-minute meeting without using the word no. And how did that go over? Oh, that's the longest 45 minutes of my life, I think. It, <laughs> every time you went, mm, you had to come up with another way of saying or doing to stop the person from doing what they were doing. It was... It was yeah. interesting, but it was also very intuitive because you're waiting for them to do something. So you're going in your mind what you're going to say so that they don't do what you think they're going to do. And then they don't do it anyway. So you just went like, that. okay, fine. You know, but that is a divination. Yes. Because you now have to watch them and you have to prepare yourself not to say the word no, but to tell them how to stop doing what they're doing or to change their direction. Mm -hmm. We did lots of cool, crazy stuff. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. And we had like fathers that worked at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. So um, we got sometimes the best of everything because they would be oh. in the unit. So I've had, you know, Hopkins professors teaching classes for us. That's um, awesome. Yeah, you know, we had one really good one that did the ADHD because I had a lot of boys with that. Um, but it was a lot of fun. Well, we've had so much fun tonight, and I'm so yes. thankful to Corey for coming on. For I'm so I was I was so um, honored to be here. Um, I, I, Melinda will be back with us soon. Um, and, uh, but I've, I've enjoyed this episode and being able to be a part of it. And, um, I, I look forward to maybe filling in another time. This is wonderful <laughs> because, the, um, things happen and life happens. So, right. uh, and I was after Melinda's husband went to the hospital, um, it was like, okay, we, and that was yesterday. So it's like, I got a show to do now. And I talked with you last night till, oh my goodness, after what midnight. And we talked for a while. <laughs> um, it was catch up time again for us. And then it was like, today I was like, I've got to do the show. And one person on a show is boring. Um, and I thought, oh my gosh, if you would only say yes. And I was like, the whole time I'm praying, you know, please say yes. I, I sat there and I was like, let me just get my makeup on and get, you know, get, get, get my game face on. <laughs> not, that, not that there's not a whole lot of difference, but <laughs> just, you know, um, but you know, I want to make sure that, you know, it's freshened up for camera and, um, but anyhow, here we are and we've had a great conversation about divination and hopefully, um, some people learn something. Hopefully I made a little bit of sense with what I was talking about because I was totally unscripted, but, um, you know, sometimes that's the best way. For that reason. <laughs> sometimes, 
the way to live life is just don't even pay attention to the script. Just go with the flow. So that's what we did. And um, I, I, I appreciate it. And I thank you very much. Oh, I, I just adore the fact that you said yes. And Corey is just one of these wonderful, wonderful people that, you know, she's a rock. And I told you that last night, you were a rock. When things start to go amiss, it's like, let's call Corey. Uh, she can handle this. And um, so uh, we are very blessed. Um, we're going to have to get together and do a girl's night. Yeah, we oh, that would yeah. be so bad. Um, I mean, so good. <laughs> it would it'd be a fun time. Oh, it would be. When a bunch of us get together, it, it's scary. But um, next week, hopefully, Melinda will be on. Otherwise, we'll 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 work this one out. I mean, we are taking it one day at a time um, and one minute at a time. Uh, yes, last night was um, virtual circle. So it was getting the ritual out and done. And then it was doing this show tonight. So things have been a little crazy. And this weekend I will be in Jacksonville again. Um, we'll be doing some short clips from there. Um, hopefully Melinda will be able to make an appearance there. But we have... Um, the editor of the Carlian Times is coming in to get her degree. So we're setting off and, and having that. It's being hosted at um, Compassion League Temple. And that's Lady Angela Munn. So she is doing a, another bang-up job. She loves doing them. And we love going up there and hanging with her. So we'll be up there for this weekend. Um, we have the illustration for October in the Florida area. It is on Compassion League Temple, and I believe she also put it in the Corellian Hub. It's the 15th and 16th of October, at, and yes, it's with Camp Compassion League Temple. Yeah, And it is a campground. It will be the campsite. The actual cabins are air-conditioned. Um, it has a bath, a shower house type thing, and um, it is very up-to-date, very modern, and we will be there having it and don't know what's going on yet but i know i'm going to be there because i've already got my cabin i couldn't wait i miss i hope to travel down there from tennessee and and to be able to see everybody i i i'm not certain what will be going on but maybe we'll be able to get together that would be awesome because that is going to prove to be a blowout because we've got the people that are coming are the old crew yeah. yeah, so it's going to be some of the some of us that haven't that have been around for a while. We haven't got together, so and of course, I have to give a big shout out to Cloud. Oh he yeah, is opening Witch Fest. Okay, let's. I am like I'm so excited. I was like, uh, he just found out, and it's in New York, um, and he is going to be opening there. So. We're going to do cloud again. Um, he's like, I can't believe you pull that out all the time. I, I'm so proud of him. He has done such a great job. He has another album coming out. He's got a couple singles coming out and he will be doing witch fest. So that is big, big shout out. Kudos yeah. to him. I'm very excited for him. And um, we got a lot of stuff that's coming up with the curling tradition as things appear and as they happen, we try to feed them out as much as we can so that y'all know what's going on. Um, all kinds of crazy things are going on with us because we're the kind of crazy crowd that happens. Uh, <laughs> if you want to know what's going on, you have to jump on one of the Facebook pages 
or you have to jump on to which school and get the information. We've got lots going on. Uh, there's 29 countries to look at when you start looking at our group. So yeah, I know it's amazing, isn't it? Um, half my Facebook stuff is in another language. I'm constantly hitting the translate button because we have so many people in so many parts of the world now that we're all friends with because they're all part of the tradition. So we've had another wonderful show. We look forward to next week. Thank you for watching. The word this week again is scrying. Okay, however you want to spell it. You know, I'm still working on the ABCs. Um, we'll see you next week. Keep Melinda in your prayers. And we're definitely having this one back on again because we've just had too much fun tonight. We've Thanks. had a ball. We will see you again. Have a good night. Good night.